You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. You can find me at Balta77. That's the personal on Twitter, at Hornets Lead. Also now on threads, all the cool kids are on threads, so make sure that you go and follow at Hornets Lead on threads. And then, of course, at Hive Hoops. This pod, you you guys know what it is, right? I'm so glad. So look, I recorded an episode Sunday night detailing all of the happenings of the weekend. You had Miles Bridges finally apologize. You had LaMelo's trade kicker come out, essentially saying, yeah, he's he's going to be in Charlotte for the next six years. No, That's essentially a no-trade clause for the Charlotte Hornets, who never spend the extra money, right? Now, maybe the new owners will delve into that. Hopefully not. That's not how we want to see the new owners spending money when they get here, all right? And that's down the road anyways. LaMelo's not going anywhere anytime soon. Great news. Miles finally apologized. I loved seeing that. He's been silent. That was probably a directive of his agents, of his lawyers, different things. He finally officially signed with an NBA team, of course, that being with the Charlotte Hornets. And that's when his statement comes out. And he apologizes for the happenings of the last year and how he's been working on himself. He's been going through the court orders and the sessions and the community service. So I was glad to see Miles finally address that and hopefully we can move on and hopefully miles is working on himself as you know bettering himself as a person and working on himself every day we were going to detail that or i i did detail that i'm just going to mention that at the top here because you know that's from the past weekend at this point and there's the short version you don't have to hear me just long-winded go on about it right wanted to give you my latest thoughts on PJ Washington. I'm still going to do that today. And then of course we recapped the latest happenings of summer league and why I'm glad I recorded and I, I didn't like what I did. Um, I was supposed to have a guest on. I had a lot of, I had all of those talking points and I threw them all into one episode and it ended up being entirely too long. I was long-winded. I was trying to address everything and dropping an episode where you guys are listening to me for an hour like that. I just did not want to do that. And <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't uh did not upload that episode cuz I would have had to cook myself today and I would have. Look, here's the thing. Because Brandon Miller showed out last night. And here's the thing. I am actively rooting for Brandon Miller. When Brandon Miller hits a shot, I'm I, I'm clapping. When Brandon Miller drives and he throws down a thunder dunk like he did last night, I get off on my feet. I jump. I'm high-fiving my kids while I'm watching it. Like, I am a Brandon Miller fan. He is a Charlotte Hornet. And so, like, I've said some things just some observations in watching him those first four games where I had some concerns about certain aspects of his game translating to the NBA now, right? 
because when you draft number two overall, like we were sold for months leading up to the draft. And once we found out that we were picking number two, so it was actually one month. So the month leading up to the draft, we were sold. The Charlotte Hornets are getting a franchise-changing player at number two, whether they go Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. It didn't matter. That's what we were sold by draft analysts, from media experts, from the national media, from guys who have been covering the NBA for decades. That's what we were sold. And so that's what you want to see when your number two overall pick is playing against fellow draftees and undrafted free agents and guys who were fighting for G League spots, not roster spots on the senior squad, on the actual NBA team, but just for G League spots. When that so-called franchise-changing player goes against those guys as his competition, you want to be able to tell. And when you draft number two overall, this is, I guess, where I fall. I want that guy to be able to translate certain things immediately, I, and, and I want it to be expedited. When you draft 11th overall, when you draft 13th overall, when you draft 15th overall, when you draft 37th overall and 45th, yes, there is a developmental period where you're – you are going to have to be patient more than likely with those draft picks. That's why they've fallen, or that's the idea behind it. Now, hopefully you hit on those guys, and they can produce immediately. They can help you in some way, whether defensively or hitting shots or you know being able to lead a unit, second unit at that. It doesn't matter, right? Now, you hit the jackpot if that happens, but generally speaking, when you draft lower in the draft, you are going to have to be patient with those players to develop into being able to produce for you. But when you draft number two overall, you want immediate transferable production. Day one. Okay? And so that's that's where we're coming from. We are Brandon Miller guys. Okay? Me, Joshua Balta, host of Hive Hoops, Run Hornets lead, all of those things. We are Brandon Miller fans. And I believe in Brandon Miller. I've seen good things from him, even in the first four games that where he didn't really play that well. I saw good things. I like his motor. I like his handle. Okay. He's six nine and can handle like that. When he when he when he gets into the lane, when he's driving, when shorter guards get their hands in and try to disrupt his dribble or they get a hand on the ball, that's just anatomy. His dribble is going to be higher being 6'9". And you get into the lane, it's more congested, you're going to have small guards poking their hands in there. That makes sense. He's got a good handle. Okay? And then I like his motor, and I like his willingness to be unselfish. I want to see a willingness to be a little bit more selfish in these settings, in a summer league setting. But I like that he's willing to be unselfish and just move the ball. He doesn't have to make a flashy pass. He gets it, and he spits the ball to the wink. Or he makes you know the cross-court pass. Or he sees a teammate, and he, he kicks it, and then he's moving. I like those. 
Those are tra- like that's those are good qualities that I saw in, in games one through four. But we can be honest, guys. The performances overall in games one through four weren't good. They just weren't. Now, you may have seen good things. I'm not saying that we didn't see good things that aren't transferable to the league. There were bright spots. There were good moments. But overall, performances in games one through four for Brandon Miller, that's not what you want to see from your number two overall pick. And I think everybody can admit that. Like, you wanted to see what we saw last night from Brandon Miller. Now, we got it. We saw the 26 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, either 0 turnovers or 1 turnover. So his turnovers have decreased. First two games, he had 9 turnovers. Since then, I I believe he's had 3 in the last 3 games. So those are the things you want to see. Beautiful. The fouling has gone down immensely. In the first couple games, he was reaching in. He was bear-hugging guys, just wrapping guys up in the lane. And then here in the last two, three games, the fouling has decreased. The turnovers have decreased. And you're seeing those improvements. All right? But we can admit, everybody, that what you wanted to see was what we saw last night. Because you even had the people who, bro, it's summer league. There were people saying, you know, coming out and defending him. It's summer league. He's going to be better once he gets with the senior team, once he's playing with the actual Hornets, he's going to be fine. Yes, I'm not worried about Brandon, certain aspects of Brandon Miller's game when he gets with the actual Charlotte Hornets. He's going to be playing with LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball makes everybody better offensively. You and I could be out there. LaMelo Ball would make you and I better basketball players. That's who LaMelo Ball is. Okay? Now, you take Brandon Miller's talents, yes, and what and, and his strengths, which is shooting, then yes, LaMelo Ball is going to make him a much better player. But there are certain aspects of his game, Brandon Miller, that I've wanted to see him be transferable in the moment. Because quite frankly, Charlotte Hornets fans have been waiting for a long time. And for years, we've been selecting 11th, 12th, 13th. We've been at the lower end of the lottery. And then with those guys, you always have to wait. You have to wait for them to be developed. And for many Charlotte Hornets fans, we're just sick of the word development. And I get it. I get it. Like, tired of having to develop everybody on the roster. We're waiting on Kai Jones to develop. We're waiting on James Booknight to develop. They're in year three, and you're still wondering if they're ever going to produce for the actual Charlotte Hornets, right? And you're waiting... You don't want to have to wait for your number two overall pick to develop. And in games one through four, that's what it looked like to a large degree, is that we were going to have to wait for him to develop in too many areas that you hope that a number two overall pick doesn't have to, that he can come in day one. You have a lot of people that want Brandon Miller to start day one. 
He's not going to be better than Miles Bridges and Gordon Hayward in year one. It just is what it is. Now, with Gordon Hayward's injury concerns, Brandon Miller is going to get plenty of opportunities. So there's no worries there. I don't mind if he comes off the bench. And he's going to get opportunity. He's going to play against, and a, or not against, but alongside LaMelo Ball, which is going to bring out the best in Brandon Miller. Okay? But some of my concerns were his self-creation. And we saw that through his through his percentages, right? I mean, he was shooting 31% in games in his first four games in the summer league against fellow draftees, undrafted free agents, and guys who are seeking G League spots. That's not great. And it's okay for us to say that. It's okay to say, man, I wanted him to, sh to show a little more. He was shooting 27% from three, which is supposed to be his strength. Now, a lot of that is because his teammates are not creating for him. That was all of the talk of Hornets Twitter, which I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I do want to say this real quick. I did not mind the Charlotte Hornets not bringing in a seasoned point guard to run Summer League because then you're taking minutes away from Nick Smith Jr. You're taking minutes away from James Booknight. You are taking minutes away from Bryce McGowan's because so I've had a lot of people say, "Bro, quit taking summer league so seriously." I'm not. I'm I, like I'm really not trying to take summer league too seriously because I want James Booknight to run some point and see. Now, I mean, I think that conversation's dead at this point. His, I mean, that handle is loose, loose. I mean, there's. There's no way that James Booknight will ever, ever, ever be a point guard. I didn't think that coming in. But, I mean, if you want to give James Booknight minutes, you would have had people mad if James Booknight weren't, wasn't getting these minutes. If you brought in some bet point guard or, you know, more experienced, you know, true point guard version, and you put that onto this Hornet Summer League team, you would have had people upset that James Booknight wasn't playing because he would have been taking some of his, his minutes. You would have had Charlotte Hornets fans upset that Nick Smith Jr. wasn't getting those minutes and that they were be, being given to some guy that will never produce for the actual Charlotte Hornets. Same with Bryce McGowan's. You want to see if Bryce McGowan's can possibly you know, be an option at point guard at some point in his career? Give him the minutes. Let's see what's happening. You want to see the same with Nick Smith Jr. Now, are most of those guys probably a two-guard? Yes. All three. James Booknight. Uh, I almost said Kai Jones. James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's, Nick Smith Jr. Yeah, they're two guards. Okay? It is what it is. But I don't fault the Charlotte Hornets for giving those guys the minutes, saying, hey, we're going to give you these minutes. These are yours. Take them. Right? So that doesn't bother me. But a lot of the conversation was about the self-create or about these point guards on the Charlotte Hornets not being able to create for Brandon Miller and get him in his advantageous spots. But he wasn't self-creating, and that was more of the worry. He wasn't able to take his guy 1v1 and you know get his shoulder into, the, into their chest, get to his spot, and then use strength to score or – you know, really create for himself. And his percentages speak to that. I mean, you shoot 31%, yeah, you're not comfortable. You're not getting to where you want to. 
you're not having others create for you and you're not creating for yourself not or or not well enough to where you're producing with it right um and so I, that's fair criticism over the first few games and so not trying to take summer league too serious but then also trying to glean from it what you can uh even defensively you know Brandon Miller was billed to be a plus defender immediately upon being drafted and I mean he was being taken to the whole high champagne and Santos. And I didn't I didn't like that because whenever because we were told that he was that Mitch Kupchak sees him being able to guard positions one through four at some point in his career. Okay. But if he's struggling against Champagne and Santos, what's he going to do against Jason Tatum, LeBron James. What's he going to do against Andrew Wiggins, Chris Middleton? What's he going to do? That's your middle tier, small forward, right? What's he going to do against your lower tier, small forward, starting small forward, Keldon Johnson, Cam Johnson? You know, it may not work out for him because right now I really only see him being able to guard one position that's small forward, and that's where a good bulk of your best Offensive players in the league play, right? I don't know. I, I I don't think he's going to be able to stay with guards. Not not right now. And so he's he's got to bulk up. He's got to do those things. But, man, we saw it last night. I mean, we saw what made Brandon Miller a candidate to be drafted with the number two overall selection. And that's what we wanted. And And, and I think it's okay to say that. Like, everybody enjoyed Brandon Miller's performance from last night more than they did the first four. And I think that's fair to say. Even the people who, it's summer league, it's only been four games, people are rushing to indictments, all of these things. And I, I just want to be clear. There were no indictments. There were just observations from, for, from me personally. With the number two overall pick, I want immediate transferable skills and production I don't want to have to wait for too long and there are certain aspects that we're going to have to wait for with Brandon Miller because dude's got a bulk he's got to get bigger he's got to get stronger okay but last night you saw some of the things that have this fan base excited okay I mean he had the dunk already mentioned that previously the vicious dunk down the lane um, he had a beautiful pump fake. Defender went flying. He made his dribble to the side, stepped back back across the three-point line, drained it. That was just beautiful. He got into the lane, uh, created some contact, hit the shot, and won. Uh, I mean, he, he did some really good things last night. Uh, he ran in transition. Feel better after last night. Because no matter what anybody said, all you had the you had the people who you know had their nose up, you know, oh, people are taking summer league too serious. But then even last night, like they were throwing his stats everywhere, right? And <laughs> I, that doesn't bother me at whatsoever. That doesn't bother me. But last night's performance is what everybody wanted to see, whether they wanted to to admit it or not. So it's okay to admit it, right? We all wanted to see Brandon Miller look like 
the best player on the floor against, I'll say it again, fellow draftees, undrafted free agents, and guys who are seeking G League spots. That's what you want. That's what you want. Nick Smith Jr., I mean, he looked great, especially in quarters first, uh, in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. I mean, down the stretch, he kept the Hornets in it. Uh, he gave them a chance to win at the end. Uh, he was my favorite selection on draft night because, you know, I wanted Scoot, number two, because I thought that his skills were more transferable in the now. Brandon Miller, I never said that he couldn't become a great player on down the line. I just felt like Scoot was NBA ready day one to where we'd have to wait on some of the things with Brandon Miller. And I still think we're going to have to wait on a few things with Brandon Miller. But last night did calm that a little bit because he looked apart against guys that he should look the part against. But Nick Smith Jr. was my favorite draft selection. I actually had him as a top 10 talent on my draft board. I don't know if I would have drafted. I don't know if I would have drafted him top 10 just because you don't get value because you know that he's probably going to fall a little bit in the draft. The same thing with Brandon, uh, with, um, not Brandon, um, with Walsh. Is it, why am I blanking on, uh, Walsh's first name? My gosh, I love the guy. That's who I wanted more so than anybody. Uh, Jordan Walsh. Gosh. Had to look it up. I, man, I was really high on Jordan Walsh, okay, out of Arkansas as well. And I had him, I think, 21st, 22nd on my board, Jordan Walsh. But I would, I would not have drafted him there because you know off of Intel he's probably going to slide in the second round, so you don't get a value pick out of it, right? If you're going to pick him there, just trade back. Obviously, the Hornets didn't have the 21st overall pick. But same thing with Nick Smith Jr. I had a top 10 grade on him. Uh, I had him ninth on my board. Would I have drafted him there? Probably not, just because it wouldn't have been a value pick. But I was super high on Nick Smith Jr. Him falling had everything to do with a nagging injury. He tried to play through it, so that shows toughness. He wanted to be on the floor. He did not go to Arkansas just to sit the bench. Like, and he, he knew NBA draft stock was probably hurting. Uh, he wanted to show the willingness and the toughness to play through it. He didn't play well all the times through it. Um, so it is what it is. But I had a top 10 grade on Nick Smith Jr. So I'm really high on Nick Smith Jr. He struggled as well. Uh, he showed in some selfish tendencies, you know, during summer league. His, his shot hasn't been falling. Um, he has the desire. He has a great motor. Um, I did see him one time last night. Uh, I was a little disappointed. He didn't, he got screened and he didn't fight through the screen to get back fast enough to the point guard. And I was like, man, come on, Nick Smith. Like we, we need better effort there. Um, but for the most part, his motor is good. Shot was falling last night. That's what you want to see. He so someone asked last night, like what his comp is, and 
the comp is on the Charlotte Hornets. He's Terry Rozier-esque, if I've ever seen it. I mean, he's going to dribble the ball. He's got a tight handle. He's going to try to get into the lane and pull up that mid-range. And then he's also – he can hit from outside. And so, like, if you want a comp for Nick Smith Jr., he's on the roster. It's Terry Rozier. And some people may not like hearing that, but I mean, if you're telling me, I mean, he's what, eight years younger than Terry Rozier? And so if Nick Smith Jr. just becomes a better defender and has the, if he has the offensive game of Terry Rozier and he becomes, you know, a usable defender, then that's a really good NBA player. Um, now, hopefully, obviously, in all worlds, you know, you want him to even exceed those expectations. You want him to exceed that that comp, right? You want your players to be the best, best players. But he gives me Terry Rozier vibes. I mean, just with the, his handle and getting to his spots, pull up, being able to hit from three, uh, long arms. I mean, that's... That's Terry. That's that's mini Terry Rozier, right? Uh, Thirty-three points. Oh, I didn't even say his uh, stat yet. Thirty-three points on thirteen of twenty shooting, four rebounds, three assists. He went four or five from three. I mean, that's what you want out of your rookie, and uh, not in the rotation. He will not be in the rotation. He's he still has work to do. He still has some development to do, barring injuries. Okay, there's a lot of people. Uh, once again, I'm being told not to take summer league too serious, which I don't think I am. I'm just watching games and, you know, making basic crit- critiques. I'm not out on anybody. I was never out on Brandon Miller. Uh, just not what we're doing here. Um, just some critiques that I'm seeing in his game. Uh, made those. Nick's, but last night you had a lot of people saying, oh, Nick Smith Jr. is coming for people's job and, you know, Nick Smith Jr., throw him in the rotation. No, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Um, hopefully at some point, right? But not year one because if Nick Smith Jr. is in the rotation year one, then um, this season has gone south. Um, there are multiple injuries and the season's probably not going well. And that's not what we want. And so I want Nick Smith Jr. to continue to develop. See, 27th overall pick. All right, I had him ninth on my board. If you're ninth overall pick, you're tw- personally, right? Your 27th overall pick in the draft has to, to develop and get right and learn the game. That's fine. I'm not mad about that, okay? But let's not... Let's not rush here. Brandon Miller is in the rotation. I thought that day one. Okay. Nick Smith Jr., let's pump the brakes for a second. All right. Another player that's getting a lot of love from the Summer League uh, Hornets fans who are watching. James Najee. Dude went four-on-one last night, got a rebound, put it on the deck, squared up, just used his shoulders. Right? Those big, broad shoulders. I mean, the guy looks phenomenal. 
and then hits that lefty like hook over his head. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And then you have Hornets fans talking James Naji screens. You know how bad that like how down bad you have to be Hornets fans when you look across your timeline and you see multiple multiple people <laughs> mentioning how much they love James Naji's screens. I mean, that's how down bad we've been at the center position for too long here in Charlotte. Obviously, it's on the up and up. Mark Williams, Nick Richards, uh, you know, showed some promise last year, but not in the screen setting department. I mean, Nick Richards was getting called for multiple moving screens last year, nearly every game. And so <laughs> setting screens is big. I mean, it's a gigantic part of modern day NBA, uh, pick and roll. And <laughs> I mean, I love, I love seeing the James Naji, uh, you know, gosh, I love how, how he said screens. Oh, give, give me more. That's one of my favorite things right now to see on Twitter. Um, reports are saying that he's go going to go back to FC Barcelona, which that's fine. Um, right now, running with Nick Richards and Mark Williams, that's fine. But James Naji is going to be a player for the Charlotte Hornets sooner rather than later. I mean, he's young. He's 18. He's built. You want to talk about built different? That guy's – that kid, that kid is built different. He is huge. He's strong. He's massive. Um, He's got good feet. He just – man, yeah. High on Najee. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Najee. And then you got Kai Jones over here. Kai Jones just keeps – he keeps us coming back for more because he does what he does last night. He back-to-back -back Euro steps to finish within like 25 seconds. He got a steal on the defensive end in the same sequence. I mean, Kai Jones just keeps you coming back for more because he is an athlete of all athletes. He gets off of the floor so quickly. And so a lot of times there'll be some congestion around the rim. He'll grab a board or he'll get a pass. And he might fumble the pass for a second, but then he collects and then he kind of like pivots around. But then when he decides to get off the floor, it is springy. That bounce is so quick. Like he just gets up and he's there. He's at the rim. He's throwing down. We saw what he did to Wimby. I mean, viral dunk, right? Welcome to the league, Wimb. But Kai Jones just keeps you coming back for more. For all the boneheaded plays – for him just looking erratic and just still really not knowing where to go. Um, I mean, trying fadeaway jumpers, different things. Here's the thing with Kai Jones. Kai Jones just needs to simplify. Like, somebody needs to get with Kai and just simplify his game. Like, work on two things. Work on screen, diving, catching, dunking, um, getting rebounds, Stop jumping at every head fake out there. Like, just simplify some things. We don't need you going behind the back dribble. We don't need you going through the legs. We don't need you shooting threes right now, Kai. And we don't need you trying fadeaway jumpers. Like, that's not what we need out of you right now, okay? Um, game just needs to simplify, simplify for Kai, and things would be much better in that department. Uh, more... Hornet Summer League talk. Uh, 
Bryce McGowan's I've been disappointed in. I was higher on Bryce McGowan's than James Booknight. I'll get to him in just a second. So maybe that's where it is. The expectations were higher. Uh, Bryce McGowan's looks, he has tunnel vision. He's looking to get his and his only. Maybe he sees the writing on the wall. Uh, maybe after last year, he had like a false belief that he was going to have a, you know, an opportunity at a rotation spot with all of the injuries and with the additional opportunities that he received. Uh, maybe after seeing Brandon Miller drafted and Nick Smith Jr., another guard being thrown in. So Brandon Miller's being, you know, he's being thrown around as possibly a a shooting guard or a small forward. That affects Bryce McGowan's. Nick Smith Jr., a shooting guard. That affects Bryce McGowan's. And then you got James Booknight out there who he's, you know, side-by-side with, battling for a rotation spot, who's a shooting guard. All of those affect – well, James Booknight doesn't affect him whatsoever. But all of those affect Bryce McGowan's, and so maybe that's part of the reason why he's head down, looking to get to the rim, trying to create for himself and himself only. Maybe that's why. I I don't know. Uh, It doesn't look good on him, though. Uh, His shot's not falling. Uh, coming in to last night's game, he was shooting 30% from the field. That's not what you want. Um, now, I mean, Bryce McGowan's was the second overall pick, like I said, or, or second round, not second overall pick. He was a second round pick. So as I stated earlier, those guys, you can wait to develop. I mean, if he doesn't flash year one, year two, that's okay. All right? that's not. He's not supposed to be a franchise-changing player. But what you did want to see, he, he he had some good things that he built on last year. And then now all of a sudden, you know, in summer league, he's looking to he's looking like he's struggling a lot. And so been disappointed in Bryce McGowan's. Um wanted to see better from him. James Booknight. Attach a second rounder to James Booknight and Trade him for a locker room guy. Today. Today. He's done here. He is done here. I don't care if the locker room guy plays or not. So I know Mitch Kupchak, day after the draft, he said, yeah, that, you know, hopefully we can bring in a, a vet who is a locker room guy and produces on the floor. At this point, I don't care if he even produces on the floor. I do not care. Because James Booknight isn't cracking the Charlotte Hornets rotation anytime soon. It's over. I mean, he is behind everyone. He's behind Brandon Miller. He's behind Nick Smith Jr. He's behind Terry Rozier and Cody Martin. He's behind even the guy that we just spoke about, Bryce McGowan's. He's behind everybody. There's no path for James Booknight minutes in the Charlotte Hornets rotation at any time soon or ever. It's over. Attach a second-round pick and move him and get a grown-up in these Charlotte Hornets locker room. I don't care if he produces. Just get the voice. Get the adult in the room to help lead these young guys. James Booknight is done here in Charlotte. It is what it is. Moving on to our P.J. Washington segment. 
Reports are coming out that P.J. Washington is heading towards signing the qualifying offer, one-year deal with the Charlotte Hornets. You guys know if you've been a listener of this podcast for any time that I am a P.J. Washington guy. He was my personal MVP last year for the Charlotte Hornets, more so than Kelly Oubre. A lot of people had Kelly Oubre up there, right? I had P.J. Washington because he was available. He played 70-plus games. Um, He's your best defender for the entire season, other than Dennis Smith Jr., right? But, you know, your forward. He was your best forward defender, which may not be saying a lot, but still the case. Uh, Two-way, I mean, he's a 37% shooter from three for his career. I mean... That's what you want. I mean, P.J. Washington fits your 3 and D bill, and he's a top six player on any NBA rotation across the league. 30 teams, six players, 30 times six, that's 180. P.J. Washington is without a shadow of a doubt a top 180 player in the league. He's top 125 player in the league. That's who P.J. Washington is. And so, yeah, maybe he's not worth 20-plus mil, all right, for the role that you want him to fit and so on and so forth. But he's close. He's close. And for what he's given you and how he's improved every year and his fit on this roster being a de- you know a defensive-minded you know, forward who can hit threes, with the way that LaMelo can find you, his inconsistency is what hurts P.J. That's what hurts him. But he was more consistent in the second half of last season. But here are my thoughts on P.J. Washington. Unless the Charlotte Hornets front office is just extremely low-balling him, and by extremely low-balling him, I'm saying offering him the MLE, which is 12.5 mil a year to 14 15 mil a year. I guess that would be a low ball. I don't uh, even 15. I you know, uh, it'd be tough to turn that down if I were PJ at 15. But if the Charlotte Hornets are trying to do MLE to 14 somewhere in there, even 15, I can see PJ kind of being like, "No, man. Like I'm going to hold out. I'll hit free agency next year. I'm going to bet on myself and we'll see what happens next year." I'm not quite sure that this is the year that PJ should be willing to bet on himself. There are so many mouths to feed in Charlotte. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges in a contract year. Gordon Hayward in a contract year. Brandon Miller, even Mark Williams to an extent. Now, is Mark Williams going to be a guy you throw the ball to and he goes and gets you a bucket? No. But, I mean, the lobs from LaMelo, the putbacks, different things like that. He's go- I mean, Mark Williams probably going to get 12 points a game, right? And so with all of that considered, with all of those guys just mentioned, where's P.J. going to get his points? Is this the year for him to bet on himself? Now, P.J. does other things than just score in order to demonstrate his value his defensive you know abilities he's got to improve rebounding because right now that's not a strength of his 
he's not a good rebounder for the power forward position. Um, but PJ's really going to shine in that three and D role, and I'm I don't know if this is the year to bet on yourself in order to get that twenty million dollar deal that you're seeking with so many mouths to feed with the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know if that's the best idea. And so if if the Charlotte Hornets are lowballing MLE type stuff, then I get it, right? But if PJ is just holding out, he's like, no, I want 20, I want 21, I want 22, and the Hornets are like sitting at like 16, 17, 18, and there's just kind of being a a stare-down co- contest here, you know, uh, some kind of standoff, then I'm not really getting that uh, from PJ. I'm not understanding that fully. And I think it, if that's the case, he needs to take the contract. And that's not just because I don't – I want him to get paid. Like, get you, like I, I'm all for, like, players getting paid. That's not what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, oh, take a team-friendly discount for the Charlotte Hornets. That's not what I'm doing here. But, like, betting on yourself in this year when you have multiple players in contract years and multiple offensive players on the Charlotte Hornets team, I'm just, I'm not so sure that this is the year to do that with, you know, what PJ brings to the table, you know. But, anyways. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. Like I said at the front, be sure to follow at Balta77 on Twitter, at Hornets Lead on Twitter, and on Threads now. Thanks for listening over to Hive Hoops, presented by the lead. Until next time. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.